3 John, not John chapter 3. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, the Diotrophes, who loves, me, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be with you this morning and uh, to open God's Word together as we uh, continue our series through these uh, small books of the New Testament sort of tucked away towards the end. And because they're small and tucked away towards the end, we, they tend, can tend to get a little bit uh, looked over. So we're um, overlooked, I should say. So we're, we're looking over them rather than overlooking them um, over these few weeks. Um, will you pray with me again as we come to God's Word? Father God, we thank you that you are the God who speaks, and we ask that you'd speak to us through your word, give us ears to hear, give us minds to understand, give us wills to respond to you the way you call us to, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as uh, fellow Christians, as fellow followers of Christ, we, we know that we're, we're meant to encourage one another, right? Right? Uh, we need to encourage one another to keep living as followers of Christ. That's one of the reasons that we gather together for church week by week, as the Scriptures call on us to do. Uh, and so in, in a fee, uh, sorry, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 24, these probably familiar words to many of you, says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're to encourage one another, to spur one another on. Uh, sometimes even just turning up to church is an encouragement to others. As our presence says, following Jesus matters to me and, and you and I following Jesus together matters to me. So we can encourage one another just by our mere presence. Uh, but of course, we can be more direct in our encouragement. We, we can ask each other how we're going in following Christ. Now, one shorthand way of doing that is to ask, how's your walk? How's your walk with Jesus going? 
I don't know, has, has anyone ever asked you that? How's your walk? Or maybe has you, have you asked someone, how's your walk? Yeah, I've seen a few, few nods. Um, it might seem a little bit obscure, but, but walking is a metaphor for, for living life. Uh, and it's a common one in the scriptures. So, for example, Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, John writes in 1 John 1 verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Or Paul says in Ephesians 2, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, etc., a few verses on in, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Or over in Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So how's your walk? is a way of talking about how, how you're living. How you walk is, is how you're living, how you're living life as a follower of Christ. So how's your walk going? I wonder, I wonder how you would answer that um, if you were asked that over morning tea uh, that later on this morning. It, it's kind of a very open-ended question, isn't it? You know, how's your walk? It's kind of, how's life? Um, and, but it's a pretty good one because it's open-ended. And maybe we'd kind of, as we think about, well, how's my walk? Maybe we'd reflect on our, our Bible reading or prayer habits or, or maybe on our personal godliness or, or, or situations in life that we're facing and, and how we're responding to those as a follower of Jesus or maybe things we're encouraged by or challenged by in the Scriptures. There are different aspects to our walk. The Apostle John, in this brief little letter that he wrote, recorded in our Bibles as 3 John, he's concerned with walking in the truth. In particular, he's concerned that, that the recipient of his letter walks in the truth and continues to walk in the truth. So how's our walk going? Are we walking in the truth? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the 14 verses of 3 John uh, have some, some real nuggets of gold for us here, tucked away towards the end of the New Testament. They have some important things to teach us about, about walking in the truth. In one sense, it's, it's a simple message of encouragement uh, to continue walking, to, to keep walking in the truth. So verse 1, we have the elder, who's uh, the Apostle John. And he writes to his dear friend Gaius, literally to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Uh, we, we find there's, um, there's a few people in the New Testament called Gaius, um, and it's, we might try to sort of pin down, well, who's this Gaius that John's writing to? It's a little difficult to, to pin down exactly, which is made worse by the fact that Gaius was actually a very common name in those days. So we can't really know which Gaius John's writing to, outside of it, or much about him outside of what's actually said here which of course means that it doesn't really matter who he was because if it did matter God's word would tell us but John writes to Gaius 
And four times he calls him dear friend, beloved. See there verse 2, verse 5, sorry, verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 11. And in verse 4, John refers to him as one of his, as his, one of his children, my, my children. His gaze is so very dear to John. God, God, um, John wants him to go well in his walk. And so in verse 2, he prays for that. He says, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Gaius' soul is going well. Uh, thanks to the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus that Gaius knows, that Gaius trusts. And, and John prays that his, his health and well-being may also go well. And there's a good little lesson here about prayer. Now, it's good to pray uh, that others may enjoy good health and that, that things may go well for them in life. But this is on top of the, the even more important thing to pray, that, that their spiritual life, their soul, their relationship with God, that that, that would go well. And in Gaius's case, his soul is going well. How do we know that? Well, uh, because verse 3 tells us that he is faithful to the truth and continues to, to walk in it. Uh, the, the NIV translators drop out the, the little word for or because at the start of verse 3, which, which connects verse 3 back to verse 2. You can see it in other translations like the ESV. It has the word for or because. So, so John knows that Gaius' soul is going well because, verse 3, some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. So Gaius is faithful to the truth. He's trusting the, the gospel of Jesus. He's continuing to, to walk in it. That is, his trust in the truth is leading to action. It's, it's leading to, to walking, so to speak, to an outworking of the truth. Being a Christian is not a, a static thing. It's not just a, a theoretical, intellectual position to hold with no bearing for how you live your life. It's a truth that you walk in, that shapes what you value, shapes what you do, shapes your decisions, shapes how you respond to others. And the fact that, that Gaius and, and others known to John, that, that, that they're walking in the truth, that's a matter of enormous joy for John. And so he says, verse 3, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth. And in verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John, John delights in the progress of his, of his spiritual children. He writes to encourage Gaius to, to continue his walk. But what exactly is this, this walking in the truth? As I've said, walking is a kind of all-encompassing metaphor for the life of, of following Jesus. But there's one particular thing here that, that John highlights, and that is that, that Gaius is loving strangers. What do I mean? Well, look there at verse 5. He says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. 
Uh, it seems that some, some Christian brothers and sisters have, um, who, who are unknown to, to guys, they're strangers to him, they've, they've come to his church and he's welcomed them, he's loved them, he's, he's shown real hospitality to them. And they've then shared this with the church and, and so John has heard about this and he writes to commend Gaius, to, 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 to commend him for his faithfulness. And, and he writes to encourage him to, to keep going, to continue to be hospitable. Halfway through verse 6, he says, Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. And we can glean a few more details here about these uh, brothers and sisters, that they weren't just kind of fellow Christians on a travelling holiday. They went out, notice, for the sake of the name. That is, they were travelling missionaries. And they rightly didn't receive help from pagans. They were dependent on the support of fellow Christians, such as Gaius. And so John says in verse 8, We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. Now, I think there's a few lessons here for us in in our walk. Uh, Firstly, this, this highlights the importance of being hospitable. Uh, being hospitable is an aspect of the Christian life that, that I, I think is quite countercultural in many ways. Our culture is increasingly individualistic. It's increasingly focused on, on the self and we live in our little boxes with minimal contact with others around us. And yet, as followers of Jesus, we are called upon to be hospitable. And what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean having friends over for a dinner party or a fun hangout. That's often, I think, how we think of hospitality. It's, well, have people over for a meal, have some friends over for a good time. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, that's a very good thing to do. Um, I would love to encourage a a culture and a practice within our church where where we're we're welcoming one another into our homes and sharing food and sharing life and relationship together. That's a good thing. But biblical hospitality goes, goes beyond that. It's loving strangers. See, these people were strangers to Gaius. Uh, The Greek word for stranger is xenos, his little Greek lesson, xenos, from which we get the word xenophobia, fear of foreigners, of strangers, of people who are are different. It's basically a fancy word for racism. Um, But we're not to, to fear strangers, we're to love them. In fact, the Greek word for hospitality is Philozenia, love of strangers. That's what hospitality is. And the scriptures repeatedly call us to be uh, hospitable. So Hebrew, sorry, no, Romans 12, verse 13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It's commanded. Or Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Or 1 Peter 4.9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I think that kind of proves the point. I mean, if hospitality amounted to having friends over for a fun dinner party, I don't think we'd need to be told to do it without grumbling. See, being hospitable is an important part of, of walking in the truth. A second lesson here for our walk... This teaches us it's, it's inappropriate to expect pagans, those who don't follow Christ, to, 
to expect them to support Christian mission. Uh, Non-Christian people may value some aspects of Christian mission and activity and they, they may give money towards it, but we shouldn't expect that they would. And instead, the, the flip side is that responsibility for supporting Christian missions should actually fall to Christians. So, for example, the, the work of CMS, such as the ministry of our mission partner, Miriam Bradshaw in Spain, Miriam won't, won't be supported by the non-Christian world. She relies on fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, such as us, for support. And as we support Miriam, we become, in these words, co-workers together with her, working together for the truth, as it says in verse 8. I wonder if we can tend to think of that as kind of a, an optional extra, you know, a, a nice thing to do, to sort of take it or leave it. Notice John says, God's word says, we ought, therefore, to show hospitality, support, for such people. This is an aspect of walking in the truth is we work together for the truth. So John wrote to Gaius to to commend him, to encourage him in his walk, to, to keep walking in the truth. To do that as he expresses his hospitality to these brothers and sisters. And he urges him to keep going, to, to send them on on the, their way in a manner worthy uh, sorry, the man that, that honours God. Now, perhaps John is particularly concerned to, to encourage Gaius because he, he knows of, of other influences around him that, that may be pushing him in a different direction. Enter stage right, Diotrephes. If Gaius is a lover of strangers, Diotrephes is a lover of self. Verse 9. John says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So John has written to the church. Um, possibly he wrote to encourage them to, to welcome these travelling missionaries. We, we don't know exactly because we don't have that letter that John wrote. Maybe Diotrephes destroyed it, but we're speculating. What we are told is that Diotrephes did not welcome or receive or acknowledge John and his companions. Diotrephes loved to be first. It sounds like he's um, in some sort of position of leadership and influence in the church and and he has an overinflated view of his own importance such that he rejects the authority of the Apostle John. And so John says, verse 10, So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. It's a pretty ugly situation. You've got this guy, Diotrephes, who's who's rejected John. Despite John's authority as an apostle of Jesus, who's commissioned by Jesus himself, Diotrephes rejects him, spreads malicious nonsense about John, He refuses to to welcome other believers, presumably the same ones that Gaius is rightly welcoming, and Diotrephes goes the extra step of stopping anyone else from welcoming them, and if they do, has them expelled from the church for doing so. This is one power-hungry, narcissistic bully. Of course, churches today never suffer such problems. Oh, wait. 
If only that were the case. Sadly, it's, it's all too common that a church leader will value their own position and influence more, more import, as being more important than listening to others, even listening to the apostolic authority of the scriptures, clinging to their own importance, their own office, being a lover of being first. It sadly leads to all sorts of loving, sorry, of unloving behaviours, failing to welcome people, failing to care for people, even punishing people who just want to do the right thing. And I expect, sadly, in a group this size, that uh, there will be people who have suffered under ungodly church leaders like Diotrephes. And if that's you, you, you know only too well how painful this is. May we all be spared such a situation. But if we do encounter a Diotrephes, what should be done? Well, they should be called out on their behaviour. John intends to, to call attention to what Diotrephes is doing, verse 10, he says, and to do so before the church. John writes to Gaius to make sure he's fully aware of what's going on. The darkness of sin and selfishness must be combated with the light of the truth and of transparency. It's not something to just kind of smooth over and in the hope that, well, things will get better. No, there is a time to call out people's bad behaviour and bring the truth of a situation to light, which is never pleasant, it's never straightforward, it usually is met with varying degrees of opposition. But John intends to do this regarding Diotrephes when he comes. But meanwhile, what's Gaius to do? Well, he's to press on. He's to keep walking in the truth. He's to imitate what is good. Notice there verse 11. It says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Now notice here the importance of imitating others. I reckon in our world and culture that that prizes individuality and so-called authenticity, the idea of imitating someone else is kind of looked down upon. You know, be yourself, be, be authentic. Don't just imitate others. Which, of course, leads to the great irony of fashion where you have to express your own individuality and by dressing in a particular way that turns out to be just exactly like everyone else around you. Um, kind of like this. Our culture is pretty fickle at this point. Imitating isn't actually a bad thing. Uh, imitating, in fact, is inevitable. We all imitate something or someone. Uh, the question is, what or who do we imitate? And the Scriptures call on us to, to be imitators. So Paul says in, uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians, he says, Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I've sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who's faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. We're to be imitators. Uh, or the Thessalonians, Paul says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. So the writer, the writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We will all imitate someone or something. And John says to Gaius, do not imitate what is evil. Perhaps he had the the self-loving Diotrephes in mind. But imitate what is good. Do, walk in what is good. And perhaps to give Gaius a, a, you know, a concrete example of, of what that looks like, of someone to imitate, he continues, verse 12, he says, Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. Demetrius's life, unlike Diotrephes, it's self-evidently in line with the truth of the gospel of Jesus. He's an example to follow. One of the gifts that God gives us in our, in our walk is others, others who we can look to, who we can imitate, which of course is why it's so important that we, that we walk together. It's why at this time of year it's so important and valuable to commit to a growth group, a small group, whatever you want to call it where we can know one another better, where we can encourage one another, where we can be encouraged by one another, where we can be a model to each other and model ourselves uh, of each other, help one another to imitate what is good. Being with one another in our walk, it's so important, it's so valuable. As John says in, the, in these closing verses of his letter, he says, he says, verse 13, he has much to say to them, doesn't want to do so with pen and ink, but verse 14, he says, I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Walking in the truth means walking and talking face to face with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's no satisfactory substitute for doing uh, for doing this face-to-face. Uh, our, our live stream has been a, a necessary and valuable thing for us when we weren't able to, to gather together. It's still beneficial for those times where people are sick and, and just can't get to church. But it's not a substitute for gathering face-to-face with one another. Uh, that ought to seem pretty obvious, I would think. We need to walk together with one another. So to, to try to sum up, how's your walk? Most importantly, are you walking in the truth? If you're not yet walking in the truth of the gospel of Jesus, I, I hope and pray that you will do so. I, I'd encourage you to, to read one of the accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the Bible and discover the truth that is found in Jesus and Put your trust in him and begin to walk with him. Nothing is more important in life than that. And for those of us who have started walking in the truth that is in Jesus, how's your walk? I hope you're encouraged by these these few verses in 3 John to to pray. Pray for your brothers and sisters for their health and their their well-being, but most of all for their spiritual well-being, for their souls. I hope you're encouraged to to invest with with joy in the continuing walk of your brothers and sisters in Christ. To to strive to be truly hospitable to others, even fellow Christian strangers. 
I hope you're encouraged to, to walk in the truth by, by working together for the truth as we support the work of Christian mission. I hope you're encouraged to, to imitate what is good as you look to the good examples of others and, and as you be a good example to others as we walk in the truth together. How can we continue to walk in the truth today, this week, this year? That's something to keep pondering, to keep reflecting on, and then to get on with walking. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Our Heavenly Father, we we want to thank you for the truth that is found in Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, please help us, enable us, empower us to to continue to walk in the truth, to, to live it out, to allow the truth of the gospel to shape how we live. Father, we know that we, we don't do this perfectly by any means. And we thank you that in Jesus we have forgiveness, we find grace and mercy. And Father, we, we thank you that, that we don't walk this journey alone. We thank you that you are with us by your spirit. We thank you that you give us fellow travellers along the way. And Father, please help us to walk together, to show true hospitality to each other, to pray for each other, to work together for the truth. Please strengthen us to continue walking in the truth. Help us to work at that this day, this week, this year and in the years ahead. And we pray in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.